If you turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5 this morning, we're going to take this um, season of Advent off of our study of the Gospel of Mark, although, as you heard in the Advent reading, um, we're still in Mark uh, as we do this uh, recognition of this special time of year. I was reminded of it just a, a few moments ago before the service started, as I was up here um, getting ready to do my sound check, and one of the children was up here, and they saw the, the uh, table with the, the Advent candle on it, and she said, are we doing that now? And I said, she said, isn't it too early? And I said, nope. And she started jumping up and down, because she's so excited about what's coming, because in many children's lives and adults' lives as well, Christmas is a time of anticipation and great hope. Now, sometimes that anticipation and great hope is about less important, more superficial things, but nonetheless, all of those things point to hope. And this morning, as the Cozads led us in the initial reading, the lighting of the first candle of Advent, the candle of hope, we start our focus now on hope and what this season, what the coming of our Savior is really all about. Now, John the Baptist, in the reading, again, that the Kozads gave, helped us see it. John said, somebody's coming that's more important than I am. And he was very important. The greatest of all the prophets. But he said, I baptize with water but the one who's coming after me will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. And that is what gives us this hope. Let's read about this hope in Romans chapter 5, starting with verse 1. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, and what that means is, the moment we believe in Jesus, that's faith, we are made right with God. This is a, an incredible statement. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. This is amazing stuff. We, we sang, um, is, it, is it good for us, is it good to remind ourselves of this? My new bookmark. Is it good to remind ourselves of this? Yes, that's what we're doing. That's what this month of Advent, these, these four weeks 
of, of lighting of candles, that's what it's about, to remind ourselves of this. We have hope in Jesus. We think back to the birth of Jesus. There were a few people, not a lot, there were a few people that were looking for the coming of the Savior. They were looking. They were waiting. We read about, in the Gospel of Luke, we read about Simeon. He was a, he was a faithful man, a faithful servant of God, and he, the Holy Spirit had let him know that he wasn't going to die until he saw the Savior, the Messiah. He was looking. He was looking. He was looking. And we get this great picture, again, in the Gospel of Luke, where he goes into the temple, and there he is. He sees the baby, and he holds that baby. And he says, God, you can let, I can die now because my eyes have seen your salvation. He was hoping for that moment, for that day, and that hope was realized. But still, even after that moment, his hope wasn't fully realized until after he died and entered into the glory of God. Then everything that was promised, everything was fulfilled for him. And there's still even more to come because there's still coming a day when Simeon is going to be reunited with his body. Not the same old worn out body that he left behind, but a new resurrection body. One that's awaiting him. And all of us who believe. You see, Simeon's hope wasn't in a savior that was going to come and deliver Jerusalem and Israel from the Romans. There were a lot of people hoping for that Messiah. There were a lot of people hoping that, that, the, that the warrior was going to come, the prince was going to come and, and deliver them from their enemies. Simeon was waiting on the one who was going to come to give him forgiveness of sins and the gift of eternal life. That's the hope that the Lord Jesus brings. The hope of new life by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see the Holy Spirit inter interspersed in all of these passages because it was the promise that Jesus was going to bring to us the Holy Spirit, God himself, to live in us. Because this first birth that we've experienced, unlike his, Jesus being sinless, he didn't need to be born again. But those of us who await him, we recognize because of our sinfulness, because of our rebellion against God. And remember, that's all of us. If you're, if you're feeling the weight of your sin right now, don't, don't think that you're alone. All of us, the, the word of God says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, we need, like Nicodemus, who Jesus met with in John chapter 3, we need, like Nicodemus, to be born again. Born of the Holy Spirit. This first birth has brought us nothing but death because of our sin. But once we receive the Lord Jesus Christ and he sends his Holy Spirit to live in us, he gives us new life, new birth. A new opportunity to live this life for eternity. 
we're asking the Lord this morning for, for him to do something today in our lives that will last forever. Can we think of the hope that he brings us through his coming as a baby into this world? Can we remember that hope and keep that hope alive so that as we face the difficulties that we face, you did notice that in the reading for moments, didn't you? That hope comes in the midst of suffering and difficulty, just like the birth of our Savior came in the midst of difficulty and suffering. It, it was no easy task that Joseph and Mary were given. When the, when the angels met with, met with them on those different occasions, they, they were given news that is really exciting since we know the whole story. But at the moment when those, when those messages were brought, that was, that was really, really hard news to swallow. Mary, this, this young woman being told that she's going to have the Lord's baby and nobody's going to believe her. And she was right. Nobody did. Not even Joseph at first. Not even her parents probably at first. But the angel gave her enough information, even the information about her relative Elizabeth, who is also going to have a baby in her old age. I'm sure that helped the parents know that this really was happening for Mary. This wasn't just something that she was imagining. This just wasn't a, a mental condition that she was facing. This wasn't just her way of getting out of a tough situation. But it was true. That wasn't easy. And even, even though her parents believed, and even though Joseph also, after his visit from the angel, believed, that didn't mean everybody else believed. She, she lived a life, especially during those days of pregnancy, she lived a life of hearing the murmurs. Just enough to know they're talking about her, but not enough to know exactly what's being said, but she knows what's being said. Facing that every day, day in, day out, until she went down to visit Elizabeth, where she found more support. Because Elizabeth knew she got confirmation because when Mary walked into her room, Elizabeth being pregnant with John the Baptist said, the moment you stepped into the house, my baby leapt for joy. She knew, but it was hard. It was hard for Joseph. It's hard, it was hard to be a businessman when everybody thought you were a really, really rotten sinner in that culture, in that environment. It was hard. But hope, in the midst of suffering, hope does not disappoint us. Look with me a couple of chapters over in Romans 8 as he continues this thought on hope. 
Verse 18, Romans 8, 18. I consider that our present sufferings, just think about that for a moment. You probably have some present sufferings right now. Think about those. And you're thinking, wait a minute, I came to church, so I wouldn't be thinking about those. Now think about those for a minute. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Something better's coming, he's saying. Something better's coming. We're not even going to look back and say, oh man, that was tough. those were tough days. We're not even gonna, it's not going to be comparable. He goes on. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And so, we wait for it patiently. There is something better coming for those of us who know the Lord Jesus Christ. For those of us who have put our hope and our trust in the one who came in a miraculous way, a difficult way, but a miraculous way, if our hope is in him, we have something better on the way. No matter what your present sufferings are. And, and again, all of us thought of something when we, when we thought of the subject of present sufferings. All of us thought of something. But no matter what that present suffering or sufferings are in your life or your lives, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have this hope. You don't see it yet, and that's what, hope, that's what hope is. It wouldn't be hope if you already saw it. You have this hope. And in this sense, our hope is guaranteed because of the faithfulness of God that we just sang about. Because he's faithful to keep all of his promises, and one of his great promises is this. That there's coming a day when you are going to shed this current body and its trouble. How many of our present sufferings are related to this present body and its trouble? The physical, the orthopedic, the mental, the relational, aspects that this body is involved in. 
Now, it has its, it has its great moments. I think that's why um, we love to watch athletics. Because now those are some bodies. Those guys and girls, they, are, they can do some stuff with these bodies. And some of the young people here say, what? Yeah. Of course. Just wait. But they break down. They quit working like that. In some cases, they never worked like that. Because these bodies are, as the Apostle Paul puts it in, an, in another letter, 2 Corinthians, these bodies are tents. These are temporary dwelling places. But he is preparing for us a new body that's comparable in 1 Corinthians 15. This is the, the most clear comparison he makes as to what the new body is going to be like compared to the old body. A grain of wheat, old body, a full stalk of wheat with its head fully ready for harvest as the new body. Now, that's a big difference. There's, there's a similarity because there's, there's one little piece of, you know, this one little head of grain that, that is our old body is involved in the new body. It's, it's, it's in there, but the rest of it is so amazingly different. And that's what we have to expect. Think of, of the best days of your body, and some of you are in them right now. Enjoy them. Think of the, think of the best days of your body and your, it, your glorified body for eternity, your resurrection body, is going to be so much greater. And it's going to be given to us in the presence of our Lord. He's going to share his glory with us. That's what we're hoping for. And it's not the kind of hope like might happen, it might not happen, kind of like I hope it doesn't rain next week because I'm going, you know, to Six Flags. That was one of my old hopes. That's a, that was a big deal. But if something might happen, it might not happen, you know, because it depends on the weather. That's not the kind of hope this is. This hope is based on the promises of God, the faithful God who has kept all of his promises from the beginning of time till now, he's always kept them and he always will keep them. And so as we look forward to that day when we're, when we're given these res resurrection bodies, and then there's also a new heaven, a new earth. So this earth that we're living in now that's groaning like we are, because it's subject to this decay, because of the sinfulness of mankind, this whole place is, is falling apart, and I think it's still happening. It's still falling apart. It's still getting worse and worse. But in the midst of that, because of our trust in the faithfulness of God, we have this hope that we're not stuck with the decay of this world and this body. But we wait for it patiently. And this celebration of the Lord's first coming, the celebration of Advent, this celebration this morning 
of the candle or the light of hope reminds us to wait patiently for it. It's coming. It's guaranteed. It's promised. Oh, it feels like it's taking forever to get here. But it's coming. And we have this promise from the baby himself, the Son of God, the perfect Lamb of God, who was born of that Virgin Mary, a unique birth unlike any other, born perfect, without the stain of sin that all of us were born with, Without that sin nature, he was able as the son of God to live a perfect life. And that, that, that's critical for us, that he lived this perfect life. It's critical for us that he was born outside of the sin nature. That's why the story of his birth is so important. That's why it's worthy of this celebration of, the, of this entire month. You know, we celebrate his resurrection every single Sunday. That's the, the, the absolute best thing that, that we can celebrate. But remember, without his coming in the way that he did, his resurrection wouldn't have happened. He had to be the sinless son of God so that he could live this life in perfection so that when it came time for him to die on the cross, he wasn't dying for sins that he had committed. He was dying for the sins that we had committed as the sinless Lamb of God. All of our sins and the punishment that we deserved for our sins was laid on him. So that when he died, he took upon himself all of our sins, all of our judgment. When he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was feeling the weight and the separation of all of our sins. And for that brief moment, somehow separated from his fellowship with the Father and the Holy Spirit, restored, for that moment, feeling that separation took upon himself the judgment that we deserve for our sins. Remember, the word of God in Romans chapter 3 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then in, verse, in chapter 6 and verse 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. So all of us who sin deserve to die. And Jesus said, I'll do that for you. I'll take that for you. And for those of us who put our trust in him, our sins have been taken away from us. And we've been given as he sent his Holy Spirit. And he's able to do so because he rose from the dead, ascended to the right hand of the Father, and sends the Holy Spirit of God to live in everybody who believes. The moment we put our trust in Jesus, he came to live in us just as John the Baptist said he would. It's amazing how all of these promises that are made from the prophets all come to pass in Jesus. Either his first coming or his next coming because he is coming back. But John said he was going to baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Well, for those of us 
who receive him were baptized into his Holy Spirit, and we have the promise, the hope of eternal life, of receiving these wonderful resurrection bodies for all eternity, never to have to worry about any knee replacements. Again, never to have to worry about any cancer diagnosis and treatment and suffering. Never having to worry about any relational breakdown. None of that. It's all going to be gone. And we are going to enjoy eternal life in his presence with the children of God, the angels, and other creatures that uh, he has, has created for heaven and for the new heaven and the new earth. All of that is going to be ours. And we wait for it patiently. Just like Simeon did. And Simeon was going against the grain. Most people weren't, weren't believing like Simeon was. But he kept up. He kept on. He stayed patient. And finally that day came when he said, okay, you can dismiss your servant in peace. My eyes have seen your salvation. Those of us who have put our trust in Christ now wait patiently for all the promises to be fulfilled. And in the meantime, by the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, he helps us overcome all of the difficulties, all of the troubles that these present sufferings are bringing to us. He enables us by the power of his Holy Spirit to carry on to keep shining, I have a friend who's, who's suffering terribly right now, and as I was trying to encourage her, I said, gently try to say, don't forget, you're still shining. Because see, sometimes when we're suffering so intent intensely, we forget that we're still shining. We're still, having, we're still having an impact even on those people who are around us when we're suffering our worst. And that, and that doesn't mean to say to, to say to her, you know, keep shining, it doesn't mean you've got, to be, you've got to be perfect now through this. But don't forget who's giving you the strength to endure this. Don't forget to say his name. Don't forget to call out to him. Even in our groaning. The Holy, in Romans, the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to talk about this inner groaning that we just read about in chapter 8. Inwardly, we groan. He didn't call it inward groaning in 2 Corinthians um, chapter 5. He said, meanwhile, we groan, waiting to be clothed with our eternal dwelling, with our new body. There's some groaning that goes on, but even that groaning can be done for the glory of God because we can continue to shine for him no matter what difficulty, no matter what present suffering we're going through. He will give us the strength that we need. That's what, he's talking, that's what Paul was talking about in Philippians chapter 4 when he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. 
a lot of athlete, a lot of Christian athletes take that verse to, you know, help them up their goals a little bit. It's not what he was talking about. In that particular context, he's talking about the fact that sometimes he was really hungry and really cold. Really poor. Other times he was really doing great. All kinds of food and all kinds of clothes and all kinds of great places to stay. But there were times when he, when he wasn't doing so well. And he said, I have found the secret to be content in any and every situation. That I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And that's the strength that the Holy Spirit gives all of us to get through our present sufferings. And still shine for his glory. You know what I'm talking about. Most of us know somebody who really shines when they're suffering. Many of us have gone to visit someone in the hospital and left that visit just completely and amazingly encouraged in our faith, in our lives. And we went to do that for them. But no, we went and they did that for us. Because we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Because the Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit that John the Baptist